D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy, a packed house, a full show tonight. It is a Thursday night. I see Darren Smith and I see my good friend, Nate Abarea. Nate, Darren, what is happening? We're about to find out if this podcast is also brought to you by Tacos El Gordo in Chula Vista, since we might be down yonder at some point over the next couple of days as we're recording here on a Thursday on the March uh, 18th day of March. So we'll find out. Tacos El Gordo talks a good game. They flirt a little bit, but we'll find out what they're all about here over the next couple of days. How we doing, fellas? Nice to see everybody. It's good to see y'all. Very good to see y'all. Yeah, I'm uh, very intrigued uh, about this uh, Tacos El Gordo and San Diego soccer scene connection. I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, continues to, dare I say, simmer. Maybe develop a little bit more and keep on simmering until it becomes, you know, the full Alabada taco in front of us. Uh, that the the relationship between one of San Diego County's greatest taquerias, perhaps many would say the greatest taqueria that uh, San Diego has to offer. I look forward to seeing how the uh, the relationship continues to develop between SD Loyal and members of the SD Loyal family and the local soccer community and the aforementioned folks down there in uh, Chula Vista at Tacos. I'm with you. I think we lost Jordan Carruth already out of the gate. So you and I can just carry on this conversation because the fine people from Tacos El Gordo actually asked us if the name of the podcast should be the unnamed taco podcast. So since you threw it out there with such high praise and said, perhaps San Diego's finest taqueria, who else would you nominate in that category? Oh boy. See, I look at the cross border region. I see a little bit more of a, of a cross border familial aspect to, to what we do. So this is look like, I almost want to tease this and come back to this because I feel like if I go into this, there's, I've had, I've had, 10 different places, you know, yelling their names in my head. And I know I'm going to piss someone off when I leave them out. So can we actually take an episode off, come back with the definitive taco rankings of we could do a cross border region. We could do an SD specific one. We could do different parts of San Diego. But I think a lot of people would agree at the very least the South Bay the South Bay is on lock when it comes to, to Tacos El Gordo. So I look forward to the next visit. And we can just keep this dialogue going. That's what I'm here for. And maybe the host of the show, maybe the host of the Zoom meeting might actually want to weigh in on something here. Does he just want to bone out after he does the intro and just leave it to the two wine drunks to hold the whole thing down? I don't know. Over to you, Chelsea. Um, so I totally trust that you guys carried that entire intro. Well done. I heard none of it. Um, I think maybe we're talking about Ceci's. Ceci's being the top Mexican food in Carlsbad. No, is that not <laughs> what we were chatting about? Um, Sebastian Soto said it was Ceci's in Carlsbad. I think we got a few people to agree with us, but I'm with you, Darren. We need a sponsor, a taco sponsor, an official taco of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. And what better place than Tacos El Gordo? Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to dip out on you right away, but... Sometimes stuff just happens. What did I miss? Uh, you missed us saying that the best tacos in San Diego might actually be in Tijuana. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. And by kind <laughs> of, I mean, I totally agree with that. What's the name of the place that, Nate, you and I would go to? We saw Joe Corona there after matches a couple times. Uh, we well, saw... that, oh. was, uh, that was Taco Nasso. Uh, mm. There is, of course, Tacos El Frank, which would be the, I would say, the most unanimously uh, or or close to a majority vote if i had to guess of what people would say the the best most popular street tacos in tijuana i would assume that most people would go frank taconazo was always nice because it was really good a little bit less of a line right after the Cholos games so you sneak on over there and just get in and out i love all the sonoran style tacos down in tijuana a little bit thicker cuts of steak a little more on the skirt steak the arachera that type of stuff so again i want to like Table it for now, no pun intended, and we'll come back to it and we'll have the definitive taco chronicles of, of the unnamed soccer podcast right okay. here. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, guys, I got notes on under 23s for Olympic qualifying. Oh, we're we talking about I mean, kind of. Champions League, which is a conversation that Nate and I can have. Darren, if you want to dip out for a couple minutes, that could be your moment. 
Um, I watched Europa earlier today. I watched Manchester United. I also watched Tottenham Hotspur uh, do what they do. And then also I have been down to a San Diego loyal practice in the last couple of days. So I have some notes from that as well. So we have plenty, uh, plenty of directions we can go in this one other than tacos, I guess. Mm, I mean, what else matters other than tacos? By the way, might I say, before I dip out of the conversation about Champions League, since you brought up going to SD Loyal training, might we say with him here, Jordan, in our presence, might we say to Nate Abarea, Nate, the stuff that you're writing here about SD Loyal, um, I know you've written it and you've submitted it and it's up for everybody to read and interpret and emote. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about what you got going on here with uh, all the recent writings that we've been talking about on this podcast. Now that we got you, that's right. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. I know you weren't prepared for this. Jordan gets up and walks away, but dude, your writing has been just ridiculously off the charts. Good. Thanks for uh, making me blush. You know, I'm not the best <laughs> at uh, taking compliments like this. I'm sure the folks even just uh, listening to the podcast, Jordan, I'm sure they can uh, see me blush as well, even if they just have the quote unquote audio version here of this uh, new and improved uh, updated technology unnamed soccer podcast. Now, I want to give all credit to uh, our good friend, Jesse Beltran, Uh Teresa, Ricardo, Pete Thurston, so many other people I could just kind of keep naming off who've actually kind of carved out this, I don't want to call it a niche, we've just kind of done something a little bit, you could say different, you could also say kind of hearkening back to some some old school tradition, and we're trying to do something uh, in, in the way of a Sunday column, dare I say, just a classic Sunday column where I get to write something about loyal a subject. We have an interview with Shannon McMillan that should be uh, coming out real soon. All sorts of stuff about loyal's role in the community with these vaccination sites and with social justice movements and all sorts of beautiful stuff. And of course, tying it back to the actual soccer that we love so much and the actual players and coaches themselves and success, hopefully on the pitch uh, for SD Loyal, but it's been a, a great deal of fun. I appreciate all the feedback um, and compliments that everyone uh, has has paid. No one's hated it yet. Um, give it time. Someone someone will have something to say eventually, but so far it's been nothing uh, nothing but good and uh, long, long may it continue. Thank you very much for embarrassing me and uh, back over to you. <laughs> uh, is it something that you're going to be doing beyond the preseason? Because I would think it's just really unfair if we get a little taste during the preseason and uh, don't get it throughout the regular season. So is, is it just uh, what what is this? When does is there an end to this? Do we, we get it during the season? Right. So I, I, I have you hooked. I like yes. this. I like this. I, I gave you a little taste. I got you hooked. Uh, it will be. Uh, for the foreseeable future, it will be uh, hopefully throughout the 2021 uh, USL campaign for SD Loyal, hopefully, and keep this stuff rolling. I know it's cliche. I'm trying to just take it one day at a time, one piece at a time. Oh, uh, a thing. There you go, Jordan. You know, I'm going to go there. The next thing, the only thing I'm really focusing on right now is this piece with uh, Shannon Mack, and I'm going to get an opportunity uh, to have a really cool – I've chatted with Shannon McMillan countless times. I've, I've laughed with Shannon McMillan. I've, I've been at soccer's quote-unquote celebrity matches where she nutmegged some quote-unquote celebrity who might be a co-host of this show and embarrassed him in front of 8,000 people. But uh, I've also talked to Shannon McMillan uh, at youth training practices, at SD Loyal events. And every time we always have this kind of funny thing where it's like, man, we should do one of these a little more officialized. We should do one of these in a, a proper podcast form or a, a proper interview form. So I'm I'm most focused on that. That's happening right now. Me and Shannon are uh, finally doing a proper interview that will be shared with y'all on this upcoming Sunday. Sweet. By the way, uh, embarrassing, probably not the right word. I would tell you if somebody of limited athletic accomplishment that might be the highlight of my entire athletic career was being nutmegged by the great Hall of Fame, Shannon McMillan. Uh, what an honor. 
We had her on the podcast a couple of weeks back, a couple of months back, probably by now. Time's really flown in the pandemic. Gosh almighty, like what an amazing person to speak to. Like what a, it just, give me more, give me more Shannon McMillan. Uh, just, just could not say enough about how much we enjoyed our time with her here on the podcast. And that's not even to mention all the times that we spent with her away from the podcast, Jordan, when we would see her at loyal training or we'd see her before matches and we'd see her after matches. So Nate, we're kind of envious looking forward to that one. I think that's kind of one of the funniest aspects of the relationship of you think of a Shannon Mack. This is a world cup champion. This is a, a someone who was actually a kind of a veteran presence within that incredible iconic 1999 women's world cup winning team for the U S and it was Mia Hamm's birthday this week. And I can't wait to talk to Shannon about memories of, of Mia Hamm and memories of the 99 world cup memories of U S women's soccer before it was a quote unquote marquee thing. And, and to be in the position that, that Shannon's been in from all these different angles that she's seen it from, it's just going to be an awesome chat. And I can't wait to share it with everyone, but I got a little bit off course there. The point I wanted to make was in regards to Landon Donovan in regards to Shannon Mack, People need to appreciate, this is like a public service announcement to everybody listening to this show, especially if you call yourself a fan of SD Loyal. When we're talking about Shannon Mack, we're talking about LD, we're talking about the legend himself, Landon Donovan, and how not only accessible these folks are and have been and are going to continue to be post-pandemic to this soccer community, not only accessible, but as down-to-earth as possible. And to see the outreach and, and just the down-to-earth qualities of these people, I want people to appreciate that that's not that common for folks of, of that level, of that glory level of the game. There's a lot of nice, wonderful people in this game, but for them to be as nice and as accessible and as involved with the local community as they are, it is something very special. And we should all take this moment, I feel, to uh, give a little toast to Shannon Mack, Landon, other folks in this soccer community who have big names, big reputations and act like they're just one of us. So cheers to you, Shannon. Well said, Nate. I think very well said. I'm excited to uh, learn even more from Shannon this year. Like Darren said, we get to see her at practice from time to time. Uh, and then once the season actually starts, we're going to be see her at Torero Stadium. So she's a big influence on us on the pre and the post. Nate, I think the obvious question is, when will you interview the pre and the post hosts for SD Loyal? <laughs> at what point do we make the part of the series? Is, is that is that on the list? Are we on the calendar yet? Well, you two are, uh, you know, a couple of old souls. I feel like you would fit in very well with, uh, you know, what we're what we're going for here. This whole Sunday column thing. It's for people who have attention spans past 59 seconds. Uh, I would certainly put you two uh, into that category. I think you would offer the uh, the long form audience, you know, quite a lot. You guys have a lot to say. You can't it's hard to condense it with you two. You guys need 30 minute blocks, hour long blocks, three hour blocks every day to to say what you need to say. It's hard to condense your guys's messages, you know, into to short little snappy uh, material. So we'll work it out. We'll, we'll get some good long form content with the, uh, the pre and post hosts. And whenever we do that, um, Darren, you will have to, in celebration of the last time that, that we all sort of came together uh, at, a soccer match um there will be have to there there will have to be someone pouring water uh onto the leg of jordan Ruth. uh a, an ice cold bottle of water will have to be poured uh on jordan Caruth in in celebration of of this great occasion you know so yeah. so all right so jordan so nate writes this piece right uh as we're approaching the one year anniversary the celebration march 7 2020 the last time we all went to a live sporting event with fans and fans. Nate writes this amazing piece for oh. SD Loyal's website. It just, he poured his heart and soul into it, which is what we expect from our mate Nate. And so afterwards, I'm like, ah, oh, I just read that. It's amazing. And, you know, I'm just, it's like, you're so, such a great writer. You're so talented, blah, 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 on and on and on. I'm making him blush, right? And I go, but you know, I'm, I got to say, I'm a little disappointed. You were our post game guest that night after Charlie Adams. Like, 
nothing on the post-match show. Like you didn't even think to mention that. And he's like, whatsoever. What the fuck, man? Like, I thought we were tight. I thought we were boys, you know, like I get that you poured your heart and soul into that, but Jordan, seriously, like, I don't know. I, I felt a little left out. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I really appreciate about Nate's work. He pours his heart and soul into it. The thing that I really thought is I thought I was a part of his heart and a part of his soul. I thought I was actually attached to that. Clearly not, not attached enough, just on the outside of the heart and soul. Maybe just like on that outer, I don't know what to call it. Maybe he'll tell us in the future in one of his columns. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not the heart and the soul part, apparently. I know I remember having him on the get. We've had him on our show maybe a thousand times at this point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at one point in the future. Um, this was all a setup. Every compliment that was given, every nice thing that was said was actually a setup for the truth to arrive there like a freight train at the very end. Just come in and let me know how you really feel. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, I'm just going to continue to prep for the pre and the post. I'm just going to continue to do what I do. I'm just going to get ready. I'm going to take my this? notes. Maybe one time Nate will acknowledge us even in his new elevated role. This is my, Pichichi. what this is. This is, is my binder. Or is that, no, that's Pichichi's teammate. That is Pichichi's teammate. This is a photo from the early 1920s um, that I am holding. It's I colorized it. Photoshop is a wonderful tool. This was a black and white photo. Um, I changed that. Um, it's my binder for SD Loyal for this season. So last year, I have all my notes for all these match day lives, and we have notes for each game. And so I'm ready for 2021. This is new. I found this photo. I colorized it, and now I'm ready to go. And I'm very excited for the new season. That is one of the most famous photos from Spanish football history. You know, I went and traveled to Spain two summers ago, and we went up to Basque Country, and we stopped at this little quaint restaurant, which is sitting there right on the northern side of Spain. Spain, over the Atlantic, right by Gatsalagatse. And you go into a men's room in the most random restaurant. And that picture is hanging on the wall in the men's room of this restaurant we went to in this little tiny quaint Basque town right outside of Bilbao. So uh, good find on you, Jordan. That is an amazing, amazing picture. Very, very historic for those that are watching this here. It's, it's really one of the most classic pictures of Basque football that one could find. It is very nice that they actually decided to hang it in the bathroom where you went, because when I was in Madrid, they actually put it in the urinal and people pee on it. <laughs> Which, I don't know. I don't Which, know. I don't know. You, you could argue you could argue is the, the greatest honor a Basque man could achieve. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really, I do have notes. And part of these notes are for the podcast tonight. I have notes on um, Champions League. I want to start with Champions League. At some point, we need to start this freaking podcast. Um, there are eight teams remaining in Champions League. Liverpool, Chelsea represent two of the eight. Barcelona exit early. It's okay. We move on. We get the draw early Friday. We're going to wake up to this news. We're a couple hours away from the draw happening. It's going to happen at 4 a.m. on the West Coast here in the U.S. So uh, I'm going to wake up to the news. I think Darren will probably wake up to the news. Nate, will you wake up to it? Will you still be up? Or how are you going to find this out? Will you wake up live for this? Are you setting an alarm? Uh, regardless of, of how how it unfolds, uh, the, the draw itself um, is going to go as follows. Liverpool are going to draw Chelsea. Mm. Porto are going to draw Real Madrid. Borussia Dortmund are going to draw PSG. And Manchester City are going to draw Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar? That was material. I was doing pre-planned material there, Jordan. Back over to you for the improvised podcast. <laughs> what, do I got to explain my jokes to you now? I'm like actually crossing off the names going, like, get, all right, all right, I should I write this down? No, apparently I, I shouldn't write any of that down. Trip. Roasted and guilt tripped for five fucking minutes here. I come with a good little bit back and you got nothing for me. <laughs> um, here's what I have. I'm actually rooting for Liverpool in the draw. Am I crazy? What? What does that mean rooting for them? You want to draw them as you need to specify here. You want to draw them speaking as a Chelsea supporter. You see Liverpool as the weakest link in the bunch. You see them as the one that you could most easily beat and get into the semifinals. Correct. None of those were my words. Those were the words of a Liverpool supporter. I see Liverpool and I say, yes, I want to see that name come up in the Champions League draw. Do I want to see Manchester City? I do not. Do not want to see them. Bayern Munich? Nope. Saw what they did against Chelsea last year. Um, don't want to go through that again. 
Liverpool, though, it seems like one of those teams. It might just be the right time to actually get Liverpool. Uh, Dortmund, so exactly what I just said. Yeah, pretty much. But I, you said okay. it much harsher. And I didn't want to be so harsh because it's probably going to come back to bite me. I was but, thinking of Tim Stoops. I was hearing, I was hearing those, those, those German tones. You know, it was, it was, it was just harsh. It was the same language. It was just a little harsh. So I'm usually like a little hesitant to go out and say Chelsea are really, really good because I've, I've seen it not work out so many times for Chelsea. Although it, it works out from time to time as well. On the post-match show, after they knock out Atletico Madrid, a lot of the analysis was about Chelsea being one of the best three teams left in the world. And that just seemed really, really generous for Chelsea. They said Chelsea three, like top three remaining in Champions League. Well, let me ask you a question. When I jump in, I realize that I don't have any, I don't have much uh, to offer here in terms of of my own fandom here. But why not PSG if you're a Chelsea supporter? Given Tuchel, given what he's meant, given the obvious improvement to the club, I, I know. We here can talk about PSG feels like a different club. Maybe a little bit of that with Navas and goal going to the final last year. But but why not PSG? They still have yet to outgrow, in my opinion, that reputation that they're going to figure out a way to stumble and fall here at some point. So so I have that's the one club I haven't. That's the one name I haven't heard yet mentioned here. Yeah, no, I think I'm glad you bring up PSG. So I don't expect Chelsea to win Champions League. So my my bar is very low for this. And so I'm kind of just going in as a wild card. I feel like, all right, bring on Liverpool, bring on PSG. I think there's a lot of matchups that are very intriguing at this point because you really don't have a lot of Cinderella clubs left. I mean, you got you have a lot of heavy hitters at this point. Chelsea, PSG, clearly great. Tuchel, uh, Poch down there as well. There are great storylines. If they get Manchester City or Liverpool, clearly those are great storylines because you're playing a team from the same league. Uh, Real Madrid, anytime you take on Real Madrid, like the team that actually runs this tournament, it's a big deal. I guess Eden Hazard won't be available if is the club that they that they play. I, I He's never know. available. He doesn't play there anymore. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund, I think that's very intriguing because there is the connection again with Tuchel and Politic and others. There's been a lot of connection between Chelsea and Dortmund. Bayern Munich, they just last year. I don't know. It's just, I, I feel like no matter what the draw is, there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting matchups. I think we're just at that point in the tournament, the tournament, the biggest tournament of them all. We haven't brought up Porto yet. Uh, that no matter what draw is, whoever you get, like you're getting a great matchup. So I'm excited for it. Unfortunately, you kind of just wake up to the news. It's a little anticlimactic. I'm not going to wake up at 4 a.m. for it, but I am excited either way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right. So Jordan wants Liverpool. Nate, who do you want? I mean, if if the, if that's how it's going to be, I want Chelsea. If that's if that's the vibe that the truth Caruth is going to come into this discussion with, then I'm going to take it personally. I'm going to make it like that, and we're going to go mano a mano in the Champions League, just like we used to do back in the day. Just like why we would you want to take on one of the three best teams in the world right now? Though? Oh, piss off! Not Thomas my words. Duke. Jamie Carragher, former Liverpool legend. Carragher is an entertainer before he's an analyst. I'll tell you what. Thomas uh, Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel is doing wondrous things with this Chelsea team. And shout out to uh, our mate, someone who will probably be on this show uh, very soon. One of the voices of Oakland Roots and a diehard Chelsea fan, uh, just like yourself, Jordan, my buddy, Charles Wolin. And we were talking the other day, me and Charlie, about Frank Lampard, who I was... uh, Jordan, you'll second this. I was uh, not a fan of. I think we'll leave it at that. I'll try to uh, try to be as positive as I can here and not slander anyone's name. I was not a fan of Frank Lampard. I may have called oh, Frank a Lampard a fraud. player because he's coached so poorly. Uh, well, I may have attacked his playing. I, I attacked a lot of things about Frank Lampard. One of the things that I was most justified in, in attacking about Frank Lampard was his fraudulent ways as Chelsea manager. And one of the things that has really just hammered home where even after Lampard's gone, I like I said, I wasn't going to slander lamps and here we are. Even after Lampard's gone, it continues to just, I love the way that absolute truth will prevail in this world. And one of the things I always threw with criticism at Frank Lampard was how good this Chelsea team actually was. 
and how badly they were underperforming for their potential and how much I loved individuals within their team and people, Ungolo Conte's past it. Ungolo Conte hit his peak in 2018 and these guys up front, he's, he's bringing players, I mean, back from ghosts. He's bringing guys who hadn't played games in, in months and years even in some cases and they're performing for this team. Dudes look like they're having fun playing for Chelsea and so I love that it kind of just continues to heap on to the fraud pile uh, against Frank Lampard when it comes to you, you can't help but wonder how were they underperforming so badly under him with this much quality in their team so okay enough negative Frank Lampard talk back to the positive Thomas Tuchel talk clean sheets wins yeah they're not scoring enough goals might be the one criticism against them but they'll start piling them on. They're not playing a hundred percent perfection and they're still getting result after result. What is it? 11 wins in a row to, to start a tenure. He's come up on 12, 13 wins in a row. It's incredible. So with all of that being said, you look at every other team in that group. I don't want Erling Holland flying all the Klopp narrative of, of Liverpool playing Dortmund. I don't want Erling Holland going at, Reese Williams and, and Nat Phillips and whoever the hell else and Kabak and whoever else that Liverpool can, you know, squeeze into center back for these games. I don't want Killian Mbappe going at, at a, a makeshift Liverpool back line. I don't want whoever Real Madrid, Kareem Benzema, et cetera, et cetera. I look at Chelsea Liverpool's weakest link would be their back line right now. I think the front three can click in Europe. It's just a Premier League hex, apparently. But in Europe, they can still play beautiful football. And so with all of this, you know, half analysis, half romanticism, half red wine, and that is 150% that I'm giving here for you. Uh, Liverpool, I think Chelsea would be as good of a matchup as they could hope for. FC Porto just took out Juventus. FC Porto just took out a giant and did it in theatrical fashion and, and played damn good football. There's not a weak link in the bunch. And I think Liverpool would have as good of a chance to progress to the semifinals against Chelsea Football Club as much as any of the other potential six opponents. So can I jump in and can I just can I take a quick little side step here just on the conversation about managers? Because we're talking about Lampard and Chelsea. And you bring up Juventus with Pirlo. Now, I don't think Klopp's going anywhere, Nate. You would know better than us. But the idea is that Steven Gerrard is there and he just won the Scottish title. I notice you're wearing your Scottish shirt. But he's, he just won a title with Rangers. And, you know, if Klopp is going somewhere, I'm sure somebody would say, hey, what about Stevie G? You know, he's doing other things. Barca, Xavi, who's there, who's in Qatar. How do we feel about club legends managing the club that they became legends for playing. Since we just saw this not work with Chelsea, I think the jury's clearly out on Pirlo and Juventus. Stevie G is at least tossed out there every once in a while, Nate, with Liverpool. And Xavi at some point is probably expected to be the Barca manager. How do we feel about this subject, about having club legends come back and manage a club? Well, I think it's got to be looked at case by case. I think it really has to be looked at in terms of Pep Guardiola, you could say, was a club legend. Pep Guardiola had a passion, some would say a neurosis, a psychotic obsession with football that a lot of aforementioned quote-unquote club legends or great players who played a long time for a club didn't have. Football was bigger than Barcelona to Pep Guardiola, and, and he had that bond with Barcelona and got to really jump right in as a manager with a club that he cared about. The, the, the jury's still kind of out on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at, at Old Trafford, and how's right. that going to play out? And that got hyped the hell up early and then had a bad dip in it, and now Ole's kind of evening it out and and having a decent go of it in the league this year and and now into the quarterfinals of, of Europa League, which is actually going to be a lot of fun, by the way, as, as an aside. But back to the club legend thing, I think it's really important to judge it case by case. I think Steven Gerrard's been very candid about not being ready about being in, and having to be very careful about that to the players that he coaches and the fans that he's representing as manager of a of a major football club, of a, a historically important football club in Rangers. 
as now breaking this this decade long curse of of Celtic titles, this incredible accomplishment, and Stevie being very candid, saying no disrespect to my current employers, I need to win a couple more of these things before I'm ready to take on a challenge like that. As someone who loves and bleeds Liverpool Football Club and gave everything I had to Liverpool Football Club, if I'm going to go there as a manager, I feel like I still have some some things to work on. And as Stevie then, you know, they clinched the league a few days ago or a few weeks ago, and they get knocked out of Europa League at home. His first loss at the Ibrox just a few, uh, a few hours before this. So... Stevie's got work to do. Jurgen Klopp has been very candid about wanting to see out his contract and, and it was, was pressed about the German national team gig uh, recently and, and talked about, you know, it's not the time I have a contract with Liverpool. I am an honorable gentleman. I am going to see out my contract unless I get fired. The only way that I would not finish out this contract is to get sacked. And I don't see Liverpool sacking Jurgen Klopp and this all like ties with Stevie G I think the timing is going to be perfect. I perhaps a tad hopeful in saying that, but I feel like the Jurgen Klopp contract will wind down eventually, hopefully an end on a glorious high note. And Stevie G will have gotten that extra couple of three years of experience in 2024 or somewhere thereabouts. You could be looking at a club legend being the manager of Liverpool, but not with something handed to him on a silver platter, a la... <clears throat> Tempard at Chelsea, who had done f all, who had, had managed Derby and gotten knocked out in in the in the Championship promotion hunt, and managed one year in the Championship, and then was handed a gig like Chelsea Football Club, and and a lot of people thought that was bullshit. A lot of people thought that was like a ridiculous level of favoritism when there were so many other hardworking, qualified candidates for that job. And lo and behold, it all worked out for you, Jordan, because now Lamps is gone. You got one of the best managers in the business who's been doing football managing since he was 25, since he was had his career cut short as a player and had all sorts of psychological issues that he had to work out. And he decided to dedicate his football love to coaching. And here he is as this young, exciting manager who hasn't lost yet. And you're in the Champions League quarterfinals and Frank Lampard is cashing in checks and hanging out. And he's back to being just a good old club legend. Like he should have just been. I can't believe how much we've talked about Frank Lampard. I can't believe a Liverpool supporter who has recently won Champions League, is your reigning league champion, is talking about a post-Klopp world already. Um, it is, we, we move on rather quickly, do we not? I do want, one thing I noticed, it feels like, I don't know, I've seen this occasionally, like England, the Premier League might be down a little bit, right? Because Liverpool are down and they were they were setting the bar. Manchester City clearly setting the bar very, very high. But they're kind of on an island uh, in England when it comes to the league. Uh, so like the, you, you kind of have the conversation, the fact that Leicester's up there, the fact that Everton made a run for it. You can kind of say the league's down. I don't agree with it because you see the teams advance in Champions League. You see them advance in Europa. Uh, Tottenham didn't do us any favors today, but when do they do the league any favors? Manchester United are through in Europa. Arsenal are through. Chelsea through in Champions League. Liverpool through in Champions League. Manchester City are through. And they are your favorites. I don't know. It's easy to kind of look at the table in England and draw some conclusions. But if you look at what's happening in the European competitions, I think it's very clear. The uh, the English sides have been very, very good here this year. Yeah, I don't just I, I think England's actually and so much of this is tied to the pandemic and the finances from being superior when it comes to television revenue. You know, when you look at what happened this past transfer window in the summer transfer window, Real Madrid added nothing. Barca added nothing. Athletic, you know, Spain's been hit really, really hard financially, right? Barca's a billion dollars in debt. Some of that is mismanagement. A lot of that is due to the pandemic, which is why you just saw a new president elected and a whole new But I think England's actually come through this as well as any of the leagues, frankly. So from that standpoint, I think everybody else has sort of seen a little bit of a dip, but I, I, I think England's is – from where I sit as somebody who, who spends a lot of time watching a different league, a different domestic league, I think England's come through this better than everybody here just because of the global financial commitments that they have here through television. So, yeah, I think England's gotten stronger. Everybody else has gotten weaker. That's why you're seeing so many of these clubs. That's why you see three or four get through to the round of eight. That's why you're seeing the success in the Europa League. At least that's how I see it combined with 
how they perform in Europe and also, you know, what you see on the domestic level watching Spanish football every week like I do. Now, Jordan, can we just quickly say uh, you, you, you brought up a certain club from North London uh, who, who did just suffer a, a rather heartbreaking loss uh, in, in, in their most heated match, uh, which is the North London Derby against Arsenal after leading 1-0 with a, a potential Puskas Award winning goal scored uh, by Eric Lamella, the, the Rabona on the ground to the far post in traffic, and then they somehow managed to blow that 1-0 lead and lose 2-1 against their uh, their arch rivals, the Gooners, the, the, the red half of North London. And Tottenham somehow manage to out-Tottenham themselves and actually one-up that blown lead. And they head to Croatia. They head to uh, a second leg against Dynamo Zagreb earlier today with a 2-0 lead in the round of 16 of the Europa League. And an Orsic hat trick from heaven sends Tottenham crashing out of the Europa League. They lose 3-0 on the night to Dynamo Zagreb and 3-2 thus on aggregate. The the final goal to complete the hat trick in extra time, just an absolute work of art. It was cosmic kite. It was golazo from distance. It was one of the best goals, one of the best moments I've seen during, honestly, what we call, quote-unquote, pandemic soccer and and during this very different time and empty stadiums and kind of the, the lack of atmosphere. Anytime you see substitute players almost looking like fans, you had every sub for Dynamo Zagreb running onto the pitch when this goal was scored. And it was like, we were all fans. And I was kind of pulling... I swear to God, for romanticism's sake and for storyline's sake, I was kind of pulling for Tottenham. And I was pulling for a Jose Mourinho into the Europa League quarterfinals. But somehow I got something even better. And that was Jose Mourinho crashing out of the Europa League round of 16 after Dynamo Zagreb have their manager sent to prison. And Jose said that was going to have nothing to do with our game that we play. And apparently it did. Apparently, uh... There were good, good things still able to be had for Dynamo Zagreb, uh, despite all of the off-field drama. That comical story that I encourage everyone uh, to check out, and and through all of the adversity and their manager being sent to prison, <laughs> Dynamo Zagreb. You can make the argument that certain clubs are blessed, right? Like they just kind of, they have extra fortune than others. There's certain clubs that just cannot catch a break, and there's others that like they they get those breaks that you kind of need. And then you can make the argument that like you can make the argument in champions League, God is a Real Madrid fan. Like they, with all the titles they've won, I can promise you whatever argument you make, God is not a Tottenham fan. He is not a Tottenham fan. That is the one thing that is definitive. I don't know who he supports, but I know for a fact, he does not support Tottenham Hotspur. That was, that was brutal. I felt for Tottenham fans earlier today. The only result that they could not get is three nil. And uh, that is exactly the result that comes up. And a hat trick, no less, oh, against the Croatian Giants. <laughs> just, it's it's rough. It is rough. Oh, oh Nate's going into the closet here. What is Nate going to pull out? I, I'm kind of curious myself on this one. The the Croatia kit. Very nice. Have the little little Davor Suker uh, action right there. So there you go for for one day and one day only. Come on, Dynamo Zagreb. That what is more bad. likely? What is more likely? An English side wins Champions League or an English side wins Europa? Ooh. Ooh. I would say an English side winning the Champions League because Manchester City play in the Champions League. I how many, uh, let's see, how many English clubs? You got United, you've got Arsenal in Europa. That's it. That's it? it should yeah. have been three, but again, Tottenham. Again, a certain thing that I just went off for like five minutes about. And and uh, have you checked in today with SD Spurs? Have you heard anything, Jordan? I know you're you're far more on the pulse of the local uh, supporters groups than I. I, I kind of stay clear of that stuff these days. Um, have you heard anything from the, the good folks at SD Spurs after uh, today's events in, in Croatia? No, the only time I get texts is when Christian Pulisic is left on the bench. <laughs> Who he came on and scored an assist in Champions League. What a moment for the American as he goes to the final eight. The experiences that Christian Pulisic is gaining while at Chelsea Football Club are just incredible. Those incredible, incredible seven-minute spells that he's giving us just... 
brilliant. That, Football that's romanticism. A good, that's a good day. Sometimes we're getting him in the 80th, 90th. It's exciting stuff, man, when he comes up. Okay. I got a few other notes. I watched the under 23s a little bit earlier today. Briefly. I did not watch the entire thing, but I did see a majority of the second half. Uh, the news, the big story from the under 23s, as they start Olympic qualifying, they're in the same group. Uh, with Mexico, the Dominican Republic, and Costa Rica. We chatted with Sebastian Soto earlier this week. This is our second podcast this week, double dipping this week. The storyline from the very first match uh, in the 1-0 win for the U.S. against Costa Rica uh, is Oxnard's own David Ochoa in net, who is brilliant for the U.S. under-23 side. I think nine saves total. I don't know what the exact number was, but I do know that uh, he had some very, very nice moments. And if it were not for David Ochoa, the U.S. men's national team, the under-23 side, uh, would not have three points to start. And those are a very big three points because now you get Costa Rica uh, taking on Mexico this weekend. And whoever pretty much loses that, it seems like they're going to have a huge uphill battle. So that it was important. The first one, very big. You don't get many opportunities to play in this group. You just cycle through everyone one time, get as many points as you can. I don't think the U.S. looked dominant at all today, Darren. Uh, but you get the goal and you take that clean sheet and you run. You take those three points. And whether it's Olympic qualifying or if this was a World Cup group stage, uh, you take that result. It may not have been sexy, but you take all three points and you put them straight into the bank account. Yeah, uh, as we're recording here, uh, Mexico's under 23 is up 3-1 against Dominican Republic. So they're going to pick up three points as well. U.S., as you said, Jesus Ferreira, uh, goal in the 35th. U.S. actually left a couple of goals out there, hit the woodwork on a wide open net, one-on-one uh, -on -one with the keeper, couldn't put it home either. So I, I thought a couple of goals were left out there. Keep in mind, this entire roster, if you watch this, you're like, geez, they look really disjointed. Yeah, no kidding. It's 90 degrees. They're at altitude. And almost every single one of the players on the roster hadn't played it in a year because of the pandemic. So, you know, these are a lot of players who had never played together. They've been training there for about 16, 17 days. But most of them hadn't played a competitive match in over a year. So, you know, there's some, there's some explanation for that. How important is the Olympics to everybody here? I mean, th I think that that's a fair question because especially coming up in the summer when you got World Cup qualifying, when you've got a Gold Cup, whatever, you've got Nations League, whatever. We haven't seen the U.S. men's national team appear in the Olympics since 2008. It's often debatable how important this even is, qualifying for the Olympics. Now, when it comes to the women's national team, it's sort of like a second World Cup, right? Like it's a really, really important thing. On the men's side, it's totally different. So how important is this for everybody that the U.S. or Mexico or anybody? How important is the Olympic qualifying for, uh, for Tokyo here upcoming this summer? Nate Abre, over to you. It's, it's very important for the reasons that you yourself just laid out for those dates that you just gave us. I remember the summer of 08, the, the Beijing Games in, in 08 that was one of the most spectacular summers of Olympic soccer where Argentina actually won the title with Riquelme and Messi taking two of their over 23 spots uh, for that tournament. And as you alluded to there, one of the main separations between the women's Olympic soccer and the men's Olympic soccer is the U23 rule and this concept of these U23 teams that can, we, we could debate that another time because you also threw Mexico into the conversation there. And we have so many listeners of this show who are diehard fans of L3. What's one of the greatest days in, in Mexican soccer history? I won't even say recent Mexican soccer history. One of the greatest days all time. London 2012, Mexico won the Olympic gold in soccer. And you could give a rat's whatever, you know, that it was U23s. It was a world trophy in front of a world audience. And that shit was special. That shit was beautiful. I'll never forget the day Mexico won that. And the notion that that summer of 08 was so special, waking up in the middle of the night, it kind of had me hearkening back to the 02 World Cup, you know, writing about that in the latest column on, on SDLoyal.com. That 08 Beijing, with the time difference, you had those USA Olympic Games were in the middle of the night, and you had a great U.S. team. I mean, look up, everybody, look up that, that U.S. roster 
from 08. It was so fun. They were so unlucky to not qualify for 12 and they don't qualify for 16. And now with this, you know, last minute thing for uh, the now 2021 uh, Olympic Games, I think it's very important and especially coming off of, of the World Cup failure or the, the lack of appearance at a World Cup, the World Cup qualification debacle, qualifying for anything needs to be valued if I, as a, whether I'm a media member or whether I'm just a consumer, for me to be interested, for me to truly be devoted to this subject, y'all got to care too. And, and if y'all don't care about making the Olympics, then why should anybody else? And I really hope that they get that memo and they see how special it would be for this team to qualify for their first Olympic Games in 12 slash 13 years and, and actually make a go at it and, and maybe accomplish something for once as this underperforming national team and this national team structure has so much hope moving forward, coming off this era of disappointment, letdown, underperformance and attempts to sweep all of it under the rug. Well, let's do it, you know, with some success here in the present tense. So qualify for the Olympics. I would love to see it. Yeah, um, I am also into it. Nate, that was very, very well said. Um, we talk about 2026 as being kind of just like this, the year for the U.S. men's national team. We, we focus on 2022, but there's always that conversation quickly after like, 2022 will be nice and we hope hopefully we do qualify and let's see what happens. But 2026 really is the time that the U S could, could make a run and could make some noise in the world cup. That 2026 roster is likely to have a few of the guys that we see now in the other 23s, right? Like these guys that are pushing toward Olympic qualifying by the time 2026 comes around, I'm not saying the entire squad is going to represent the U S in the world cup, but there will be some players that are playing right now and what better experience for them to get uh, than going through the Olympics, qualifying for the Olympics, going through everything they would go through this summer. Uh, clearly that would help them down the road. And as excited as we are for next year, potentially with the world cup 2026, there is even more excitement for the U S um, so I think it's it's especially important for that reason, because you kind of look at the ultimate goal. You kind of take a step back and you you see what it means as they develop towards the U.S. men's national team. Uh, any any kind of experience they get now, I think, clearly will will help them out down the road. And if we want to make a deep run in 2026, why not get some experience now? Yeah. And, and I think what Nate said about 2012 in London is absolutely spot on. I mean, that's how you create a level of competition. That's how you improve a culture in a country where quite frankly, some of the culture is lacking, right? We're all here because we would like to see the culture start to improve a little bit. And I think that qualifying for the Olympics, having some form of success in the Olympics would go a long way towards that because it's a lot, it's so easy just to dismiss it all and be like, well, they never win anything. So of course we're not going to pay any attention to it. It's totally worthwhile. It's totally worth our while. It was worth our while to talk to Sebastian Soto about it. It's worth our while to tune in and watch and take on Dominican Republic at 630 on Sunday night. Like this matters because this now gives everybody a taste of competition, which they then next summer make their lives difficult at U.S. soccer, figuring out who you're going to put on the Olympic roster, World Cup qualifying, Gold Cup, et cetera. So, you know, the fact that we're so you know seemingly deep here with regards to how much talent we have, which we may have never had before here in the United States or seen here in the United States, then I'm all for it. I think it's totally worthwhile, and I'm a thousand percent on board with it. Mexico just scored again, by the way, so they are up four-one. That one now goes full time against the Dominican Republic. So we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm off to a good start. You win that first match, as it was said during the broadcast today. Chances are you're going to come out of your group. So it appears, at least early on now, that Mexico and the U.S. are in a really really good position to come out of their group which just qualifies them for the semifinals. And then you win there and then you can go to the final where the two teams advance and go to the, uh, go to the Olympics. Jordan, you, uh, a minute ago, you posed the, the, the idea of this U23 squad making up a, a heavy portion of the, the 2026 World Cup team or making up a heavy portion of the, the high-ranking players within the, the U.S. player pool for a lot of years to come. That's a bit of a double-edged sword. I do just want to say that I, I, I like half passionately agree with it. And then there's also this other half of, of 
ultra kind of pessimism and caution, uh, whether it's the England national team, whether it's the uh, the Dutch national team, Mexico. There's been so many of these teams over the years where you go back, these articles will come out, uh, you know, predicting our insert country here, national team five, 10 years from now. And they never are anywhere near correct. Everyone, every player, it always, it, it heaps this pressure on these players and it almost feels like a curse to sort of, you know, peg them as, oh, they're, they're going to be here for 10 years where it's like they end up being gone in 12 to 18 months. Now, with all of that said, with that little like Jekyll and Hyde double-edged sword thing there, I want to read you to, I think this sums it up perfectly. This is the roster. This is the U.S. men's Olympic team roster from the Beijing Games in 2008 that, that I was just hearkening back to there. Freddie Adu, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, Charlie Davies. This is 2008, by the way, folks. Again, Adu, Altador, Bradley, Charlie Davies, Maurice Adu, Benny Failhaber, Brad Guzan, Stuart Holden, Patrick Iani. Sasha Kleshton, Brian McBride, a uh, year before retirement as one of the, the honorary over 23 picks. Michael Orozco, Michael Parkhurst, Robbie Rogers, Chris Seats, Dax McCarty, Danny Satella, and Marvell Wynn. So you see both of the things that I was just laying out there where you have some of these guys who went on to have careers with U.S. soccer for another 10 years and were at the foundation you know, of, of the program. And then you have other guys on that team that I bet, and this is no offense to any listener, I'm right there with you. I have to kind of dig up and try to remember who a couple of those dudes were. I don't know. I can't remember Danny Satella off top from Clifton, New Jersey, who was playing for Brescia, apparently, during that time. I have to look up a little bit about Patrick Iani's career. You know, yeah. I, I don't know much about a few of those dudes. <laughs> but but most, of them, most of them are, are, you know, most of them, everybody listening here is going to identify. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I also don't think it's going to be a majority of the roster. I think there will be a handful of players that you see potentially make an impact. Like a guy like Sebastian Soto, who we chatted with earlier this week, potentially could have a role with the U.S. men's national team come 2026. Like, is he the future number nine for the U.S.? That, that is a question out there. So if he goes out there and he performs on this kind of stage, that at least continues to send him in the direction of playing an impact in 2026. So I don't think it's going to be a majority. No, I don't, I don't think all of a sudden you take this squad and then you just apply it as a more mature squad a couple of years down the road. But there will be some carryover. I just want to real quickly, you know, for, for all of the uh, Danny, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name, S-Z-E-T-E-L-A, for all the Danny Satella fans uh, out there, for all the, the the New Jersey folk who listen into this show, uh, he went on to play for the New York Cosmos and NASL and is actually still currently playing now at 33 years of age for the Morris Elite Soccer Club in Livingston, New Jersey, who are a member of USL League Two. So uh, there you go. That from Olympic Listen, soccer sometimes to in a couple of years you're playing in a World Cup. Sometimes in a couple of years you're playing in League Two in Jersey. It he's just something it happens. And he's, and happens. he's still playing. Go on, Satella. I love you. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm definitely into it. Uh, I got a few shout outs on the way out here, guys. Um, we already gave Nate his shout out. The very first one I wrote was Nate Abarea in uh, his oh, writing for SD Loyal. We already got your shout out. We already made you blush. Boy. I do have some shout out for the Aztecs this weekend, San Diego State, the men's side playing the number four team in the country, Oregon State. They're going to be up in uh, Corvallis this weekend. That's Saturday night. They don't have a win yet. They have played four matches and they've had like all the drama possible. There has been a goal in the last 10 minutes of every single match they have played <laughs> And it has been a goal that decides the winning side. Uh, it has not even been the game tying goals. They have been on the wrong side of a last minute goal pretty much every single week to start the season. Um, not We're talking about the Aztecs. Aztecs, right? The Aztecs. Yeah. And they're at Oregon State. So that's their quick shout out. The women, they're off to a great start. They take on UNLV at the Sports Deck this week. And I'll be on the call for that one. Uh, so looking forward to that. But then the other shout out to Nate, of course, with SD Loyal. Um, we're, we're looking forward to that conversation with Shannon McMillan. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out, shout out to you two fine gentlemen for uh, having me back on the podcast and we shall do it again soon. Cheers to you.
Did Liverpool lose last time out? I feel like we only have you after a loss. So I feel Liverpool like Liverpool are coming off back to back two nil wins, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, or at least one. I, I time's moving. I can't matches are blending together. All I know is that the last time out uh in the Champions League, Liverpool, we're we're talking Champions League, Premier League, Liverpool conversation. I don't I can't quite you know, grap- grapple with, grasp what's going on. Uh, Champions League-wise, Liverpool are coming off a 2-0 win against RB Leipzig that put them into the quarterfinals, and we shall see who they draw in those Champions League quarterfinals. I sure hope it's a blue side from London. Yeah, things are looking <laughs> up for Liverpool, and still Nate is just counting down the days to Steven Gerrard taking Klopp's job. Oh, I will just, you? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Treat him with some respect, would you? Jeez, with, he just won you a league, Champions League. What else do you want? The guy? He's had a rough year, and you're already kicking him to the curb. Twist, oh. twisting my words like a late night little piece of medication, there, Jordan. I swear, you're twisting one up. You're twisting my words. That's what you're doing. I love you, Jurgen um, Klopp. I know Klopp. I know Klopp listens to this show. He's a big fan of Tim Stoops. Tim Stoops's uh, Bundesliga report. It's how Jurgen actually keeps track of uh, German football being a Premier League manager uh, these days. So Jurgen, since I know you listen to the end uh, as well, I want to say I am I am riding with you for as long as you want to be the manager of Liverpool Football Club, despite what the the quote unquote truth, right? Truth, yeah. Might or say. as long as until Steven Gerrard says he's ready. Can I can I shout out before we wrap? I just want to shout out anybody who's listening this long. Check out uh, unnamedsoccerpod.com. Just saying, just on unnamedsoccerpod.com. That's number one. Number two, I'm also going to shout out local derbies because, you know, we had talked about uh, SD Loyal's preseason schedule. And I think on this pod, we had made mention of the fact that they were trying to arrange a cross-border preseason match against Club Tijuana. I don't think that's going to happen. Yet there's another local soccer club and we might actually have a preseason local soccer soccer, soccer. here in San Diego County. We might actually have a San Diego Derby here before too long. So stay tuned on that. What do you guys think? Stay tuned. I feel like that's a tease. I, I thought you were going to please right there. Uh, I could. Uh, I mean, I'm hearing that that Loyal might be playing 1904. Get it? What? Yeah. What is this? The yeah. U.S. Open? Is this the, open, the cup? open Cup? Yeah. Nah, it's the it's the it's the Tacos El Gordo. It's the the Tacos El Gordo Cup. The Copa Gordo. The Tacos El Gordo Cup. How great would that be against 1904? The winner. What does the winner get? The winner gets adobada. The winner gets a nice slice with the big knife down the spinny thing, and just every player with the gets pineapple a with the pineapple at the top, Nate. Oh, with the pineapple juices, the juices down down the side. Paint the picture, radio broadcaster Jordan Carruth. <laughs> so the winner gets a taco. That's it. It gets all the tacos. All, all the, the tacos. tacos. All the tacos. Okay. Total all right, and all the bragging rights. Yeah. And, and all, all the bragging rights. rights. Yes. Is there anything else that they get? I'm excited. I feel like this is one of those ones where we really deep down wish that a game like this could happen with fans in attendance. And it's a shame that it probably from what we know and Darren, you, you know, a lot more than, you know, little old Jordan and I, uh, but from what we collectively know uh, here on this show, um, it would seem that this would be something of a behind closed doors, friendly uh, or, or something. I, if it's during the month of March now, if it's a little bit later, I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything. I'm not, I'm not as in the know as D Smith over here. I don't have a daily three hour radio show that has news updates, man. Like I, I want to know exactly right. what this is going to be. Um, if it is without fans, it's a bit of a shame, but I still love that the two teams oh. are, are playing against each other and giving the community something of a local Derby match to, to embrace. Don't even, you know, got to call it a Derby. Don't got to call it a classical. It's just two local football clubs playing each Ooh, other. Let's have it. Good one. Is it a Derby or is it a Classico? Yeah, no. Well, the whole idea was that SD Loyal <laughs> wanted to play something regional against Cholos. And obviously the border stuff with what's going on with the pandemic is going to probably prevent that. So in its place, now all of a sudden, perhaps 1904 ends up filling that void, which would be super exciting for me, man. That'd be super dope if we got a chance to watch something like that. Again, I agree. It'd be much better 
in front of actual fans, but we're just not there quite yet. We're going to be there at some point, but if it's going to be in March that weekend, which becomes open, if you can't, you know, since the Cholos thing isn't going to happen, it doesn't sound, then, you know, that's not bad either. No, Listen, not bad why can't we broadcast this? Why can't we go down there and just kind of just do our own broadcasts and just kind of do our own viewing party and watch the game with us? We could deliver it. We, I mean, Nate does play-by-play. That guy's a freaking genius at it. Um, Darren and I, we have plenty of fun. We could do a broadcast out there. We could deliver the local Derby. I don't know. I, I don't I give you two hours with my eyes closed. Come on, let's go. Right. He does it, I mean, he does it every day do. on, on the radio. That's Hello, this is what we do. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it'd be fun. It's just an idea. I'm just throwing Let's it give out it there. Some thought. Let's give it some thought. Let's talk to uh, uh, the good folks at SD loyal and, and get some specifics and get back uh, to the people. Um, I just love that, you know, even if it is quote unquote worst case where, Hey, this game is behind closed doors or, or without fans that it's laying the foundation for future matches that are going to matter to this local soccer community and that will bring people out and will galvanize people and get people passionate for soccer in their own backyard here in San Diego. Shout outs to 1904. Much love to Cholos and Club Tijuana. Much love to the SD soccers on the arena landscape. Much love to SD Loyal and much love to all the college programs. I feel like I'm echoing my little old Sunday column from uh, last week, but much love to everyone who is investing time and energy into the local soccer scene. And a match like that would be uh, in many ways, a gift to everybody who's giving to this local community Two local professional outfits. Even if it's just a quote unquote preseason friendly play against each other and start making it like a annual tradition. Let's do it. I like it. I'm in, I'm in. I think we should deliver it right there from Chula Vista. All right. I'm done. I got anything else? Well, hold on. Let me check. Let me check my notes quick. Let me get, get out of here. Notebook. Let me get my notebook know. out. My little Pachichi. Yeah, I'm all out of notes. We're done here. Anything else? Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Unnamedsoccerpod.com. Unnamedsoccerpod.com. God, we're terrible at promoting that. Um, I told you I had to give you notes from going to loyal practice. They're tall. That's one of my notes. Ben Spencer looks bigger this year. He looks like he put on muscle. I don't know if that's true. Don't quote me on that, but he looks bigger. He looks stronger. Um, he's part of the reason the team looks bigger. Um, one thing I learned this week, guys, do not argue. Do not argue with Coach Miller with any kind of calls during practice. I heard someone argue with Coach Miller about a call, about a foul. Um, that did not go well for set player who may or may not have been a young trialist. <laughs> that is my recommendation. If there's any trialists or any young players in San Diego, future loyal players listening, my recommendation is you do not argue with coach Miller during a foul call at practice. Um, and that's what I got. Hey, did you guys know the Columbus crew were in town? I read something about Twitter, something on Twitter about something. Bye. Listen, we do a podcast every single week. Can you at least give us time to do the podcast so I can tell you who I saw at practice? Like, geez. Where's the video content? Let's breathe, everyone. <laughs> One, two, three. Breathe. 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 Okay. Uh, we'll chat soon. Unnamedsoccerpod.com.